All the latest business news from WA, delivered daily. At close of business, news briefing. Good afternoon and welcome to the At Close of Business podcast. This is Simone Grogan with your top stories this Friday afternoon. Western Australian nurses and midwives are overwhelmingly backing plans to form a state political party in the latest escalation of a bitter wages feud between their union and the WA government. Australian Nursing Federation polling on Friday morning showed nearly 80% support among its 40,000 strong member base to form its own political party to contest upper house seats at the 2025 WA election. The move has been spurred by a bitter feud with the ANF and the state government over wages, with the state refusing the union's years-long campaign for a 5% wages increase and the union refusing to budge on the 3% plus $3,000 cost of living payment offer. ANF State Secretary Janet Ray said the union was eyeing three upper house seats should it decide to contest the election. In other news, the relationship breakdown between Hancock prospecting founder Lang Hancock and daughter Gina Reinhardt during his marriage to Rose Porteous was laid bare during a WA Supreme Court trial over iron ore royalties. Hancock prospecting lawyer Noel Hutley SC wrapped up his opening submissions today in a scheduled three-month trial before Justice Jennifer Smith in the Supreme Court of Western Australia. Hancock prospecting has rebutted the ownership and royalties claims for more than a decade and has recently told the court that its founder had been the one to blame in treating the disputed tenements for his own interests. And lastly, East Perth-based Cantonese restaurant 8 on the Point has gone into liquidation with a notice filed with the Australian Securities and Investments Exchange on Thursday. It was one of the few fine dining Chinese restaurants in Perth prior to its closure and had capacity for up to 350 patrons across a sizeable venue situated on the Swan River waterfront. Liquidator Matthew Tribbett of GTS Advisory was appointed on Thursday and said the business had been running well but that he was seeing a rise in the number of insolvencies in the hospitality sector. And that's all from me. You can read more on these headlines at businessnews.com.au. Coming up next on the podcast, Jack McGinn and Tom Zonmeyer discuss an eventful week in Western Australian politics. Stay on top of the latest news stories that are impacting your business, industry or sector. The New Look Business News app gives subscribers breaking news alerts, access to editions, articles by category, as well as our advanced data and insight search function to find projects, people and companies. It's your mobile portal to the latest intelligence on commerce, politics and industry, wherever you are. Stay informed at critical times and download today. Visit businessnews.com.au forward slash app, download on the App Store or get it on Google Play now. Welcome back to At Close of Business. I'm Jack McGinn. Today I'm joined by Tom Zommeyer. Tom, how are you going? Pretty well yourself. Big week. <laughs> Very well, thank you. Yes, it's been a big week and I thought I'd get you in as uh, as the sharer of the political rounds and we could have a bit of a chat about the things that have been happening in WA politics this week because it has, like like you say, it's been such a big week. There's been uh, some things. There's been some things happen. And look, let's start with the obvious, the Aboriginal Cultural Heritage Act. Uh, we got the notification on Tuesday. There had been murmurs around that they were looking at scrapping uh, the recently introduced legislation, uh, the Aboriginal Cultural Heritage Act 2021, and reverting back to the 1972 Act with amendments. That was all confirmed in a press conference on Tuesday when the Premier, Roger Cook, uh, the Aboriginal Affairs Minister, Tony Booty, and the Attorney-General, John Quigley, spoke. The tone was 
apologetic. They really sort of pushed this message that they were listening to the feedback and that they were adjusting uh, the system. But I think the, the theme throughout this whole thing has been that it's a very difficult thing to reach consensus on and not everyone would be happy hearing uh, what was said on Tuesday. What did you make of it all? Yeah, I mean, the thing that they're saying is, I mean, it is good that they've listened to the feedback in the end, but the problem was they haven't been listening to feedback well, the argument is they haven't been listening to feedback since you know, 2019. Certainly Indigenous groups have been raising concerns with this for years mm. before it became a big issue in the past few weeks. Um, they've definitely pointed that out <laughs> in, light of, uh, in light of this reversion to the 1972 Act. Uh, it's, it's just, yeah, I mean, very, very messy saga um, <laughs> all round and... Um, yeah pretty low point for politics in Western Australia, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's a really interesting one. I mean, I've been following it very closely since uh, Roger Cook started as the Premier and and the change in tone over the journey has been really interesting. So there was that whole back and forth that the opposition... It's given the opposition a lot of ammunition. So he, he made these comments about the opposition uh, in question time being like a dog returning to its own vomit. Um, he had to rebuke a member of his party for uh, shouting accusations of racism at the opposition. And ultimately, the points that they were raising um, around those comments ended up being quite valid. They were, they were valid questions around, is this act ready? Uh, we support it in principle, but you know, is it time to roll it out? And these sorts of things. And so in the conversation around this, since the announcement, a lot of it's come back to those comments and you start getting the political to and fro. Will you apologise for the comments? You know, no. Will a minister resign? Will a minister resign? That has been pretty constantly asked um, of the Minister for Aboriginal Affairs and the response is no. So, look, it's a, it's been a saga. It's one, I think, well, now the amendments are in, are in the parliament. Um, so, you know, we've got the process of, of the debate around the amendments they will not be urgently rushed through, as was the case for the 2021 Act. We'll see how all of that plays. Yeah, I mean, I guess the important thing that's probably been lost in all of this is that um, Labor argued fervently against just amending the 1972 Act. They said it was unworkable, and yeah, the platform they took to 2017 was to repeal the 1972 Act and replace it with a new Act. It's what Indigenous people want. It had support um, from industry as well. They wanted to see clarity, obviously. So we've gone from an unworkable, unsalvageable 1972 Act to all of a sudden, oh, now we can work with it. So it'd be very interesting to see the commentary around that and how that plays up into the yeah, over the next few years and um, I guess the response from the Aboriginal groups, which uh, a lot of them do feel betrayed, uh, understandably. A backflip on a backflip. Yes. <laughs> so going back to the parliament, I suppose, and Magenta Marshall entered the parliament on Wednesday. Uh, that's a significant moment for the Legislative Assembly. It means that the gender balance in the Legislative Assembly is 30 women out of 59 uh, parliamentarians. So uh, the gender balance is above 50%. Yeah, um, big moment indeed, and um, yeah, Labor here and and federally have been very progressive and you know, open, big on trying to uh, increase female rep- representation in Parliament. They've had quotas in place and they've really tried to hit them. And you know, obviously, here in WA, we've managed to do that. We've been 
very close or pretty much on par and so to now be just above average, which I think is around where the population sits anyway, um, just above 50% women in the wider population. So, yeah, good to see. And uh, also, yeah, uh, I guess to have a, a very young voice in parliament as well you know that can't be understated either you know, having mm. that voice for um, younger people and someone who can carry that for many years to come potentially well that's it i mean if, if magenta marshall follows in the footsteps of mike barnett and mark mcgowan who were both 28 when they were voted in then she has a long um career in the parliament ahead of her magenta marshall obviously the successful candidate in the rockingham by-election uh, so that's where she's come from and throws to uh, Western Australia's strong history with women in the parliament, going all the way back to Edith Cowan, um, who was the first female parliamentarian in Australia, walking those same halls. The Women's and Babies Hospital Feasibility Study was released this week. Now, Mark Byers um, been doing a lot around this, and I think, I suspect that uh, Mark Byer and Mark Panel will touch on this in quite some detail when Mark My Words comes around, but there was a report released yesterday. What did you make of that? An endorsement, but not a ringing endorsement, uh, which maybe goes some way to showing why it wasn't released earlier. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it has shown that cost blowout, I think somewhere around $228 million, um, but I didn't see much of a strong case presented to you know, what the alternative would be and to whether any of the issues would have, would be solved, um, should it be moved or should it stay. Yeah, yeah, and, and that report, I think, in Mark's coverage of this and report was prepared by Infrastructure WA and I think they had about a month to pull it together, which for a decision of this magnitude doesn't seem like a lot of time. What else is happening in Parliament this week? We've got proposed abortion reform before the Parliament at the moment. And long time coming. Yes. The Transport Minister introduced amendments to legislation which cover the Perth parking levy. Now, this is an interesting one. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's one that we've seen as the um, Basil Zemplis, the Perth Lord Mayor, um, speak up about. Uh, yes. They had a bit of to and fro with uh, Rita Safiotti a few months ago, uh, which um, I imagine you, you, you've had a bit of a look at and obviously um, put the story up um, as it came out. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting. So, look, Basil was broadly supportive yesterday. Of the, of the amendments as they were introduced. I think the issue earlier in the year was that uh, he didn't feel that the city of Perth had been properly consulted. Now, the levy is an interesting one because it was a system that was introduced in 1999. It applies to parking spaces in the Perth city and basically it collects fees. It's designed to discourage people from driving in and the funds that are raised by the levy up to this point have been designated for transport related investment uh, by the state government into the city area. Now there was a Auditor General report earlier in the year which found that the government didn't really have a plan for how it was going to spend the money. It, the, the kitty had built up to almost $200 million and the city of Perth contributes about 30% of that. So you can understand why the city of Perth would be looking at it going, well, you know, what's the money being used for? And then there was this revelation that funds were being um, allocated towards the development of a community swimming pool at the Wacker Ground, which we've heard about. That Wacker redevelopment has been in the news for a long time. And the Auditor General report said, hang on a, a minute, that's not what this fund is for. So the minister at the time then highlighted that the funding was conditional on changes to the legislation facilitating the funding. And so the amendments introduced yesterday would presumably pave the way if it was to go ahead for the payment of that facility through the Perth parking levy. 
everyone seemed pretty broadly happy with the changes that were introduced um, from what I read, and it'll be interesting to see how they go in the parliament. But it sounds like a, a positive development for the city. The money will be invested back into the city and the city area, which I think was a key sticking point for the city of Perth. I think they were concerned that maybe the spend would go further away from the city and that the Perth parking levy would basically not be, you know, meeting its purpose. Yeah, and it'd be nice to see that end of town, um, you know, see, see some love for that end of town. Obviously, the Wacker not used as much these days, so we do need some alternate uses out that side. Yeah, you know, I was down there um, a little bit sort of over the last year and, and you go in and every time you go in it feels like something's different. You know, you walk in and the Inverarity stand's missing uh, because it's been demolished uh, or the, the grass banks... Um, below the scoreboard have been completely removed. That's always interesting. As long as they leave that scoreboard alone, I'll, I'll be happy. So, uh, <laughs> Iconic. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, uh, interesting little tidbit to finish on, and I know it's one you're very passionate about. Parliament was evacuated this week. What did that mean? <laughs> yeah, a very exciting little moment in time, wasn't it? I mean, it doesn't happen often. Um, I guess the staffers and the journos and the politicians, they all had to step out the front while the alarm was going off and there was an investigation into why that happened. Um, hmm. At a very important and ancient artefact of Parliament, also made its way out in the in the confusion. Yes, it's the mace. The mace. The ceremonial mace <laughs> left the building, and I'm not sure when the last time that happened. That would have happened. Uh, but yes, the the ceremonial mace had a little excursion outside. Uh, yeah, and I you know, it, Going way, way, way back in history, I guess the maces are the kind of rallying call when someone walks around with one of them, just everyone follows them. So I'd really love to see how far they could take it if they really want to push the envelope. Like, could they just hold the mace up and just direct all the politicians over to a cafe or someone's house or a brewery? Like, where could it end? There's a lot of room for ceremony in Parliament. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I like that about it. And, uh, yeah, it was interesting to see the mace outside. But um, it was temporary. The mace went back safely inside. And a little bit that I learnt um, out of this whole thing is that it's, I believe it's the oldest parliamentary mace in, in Australia. Yeah, I mean, what a claim to fame. Fantastic. Tom, we'll leave it there. Thank you for joining me today, having a chat through the week in politics. Have a great day. You too. Thanks, mate. The latest business news delivered daily. Subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. For all the latest business news, visit businessnews.com.au.